Hello and welcome to the Helping Organisations Thrive podcast. This is your host, Julian Roberts. This podcast is to provide leaders with insights, discussions and robust strategies to help their companies thrive in these challenging times. We will be interviewing business leaders, owners and experts in the field of business resilience. Welcome to Helping Organisations Thrive. Uh, today, I have the wonderful pleasure of uh, Michelle Sider Tucker. Uh, welcome, Michelle. Thanks, Julian. Thanks for having me on. No, it's good to have you on. And uh, I just want to tell the audience a little bit about you. Uh, you're an entrepreneur, you're an international keynote speaker, and also a best-selling author. Uh, you're also the founder of, and CEO of Sila Tucker Incorporated, uh, which is all about uh, premier mergers and acquisition advisors. Um, and you've had 20 years in this industry, the M&A industry, and regarded as leading authority on buying, selling, fixing, and growing businesses. And your firm has sold over a 1,000 businesses, which is quite incredible, really, uh, in almost every vertical and have a remarkable track record of success. So stacks of experience and stacks of knowledge there. So... Um, as I always ask every uh, guest, because I'm just a bit nosy and curious uh, uh, as the why, uh, what do you love about what you do, Michelle? I think what I love about what I do is I just love entrepreneurship. Even as a little girl, you know, I was always curious and I was always, I am always like a kid in a candy store. I can't wait to find out how an entrepreneur started their multi-million dollar, billion dollar company from their kitchen table, from their pickup truck or you know, and, and many of these entrepreneurs have maybe an eighth grade education. And so I just feel like I just love entrepreneurship. You know, we're selling a company right now for about $70 million. And a gentleman has an eighth grade education. He started out of his pickup truck. So I've always been passionate about entrepreneurship. I love to see how people get started, you know, how they came up with their ideas, how they grew their company. And I like to help, you know, business owners sell because, Steve Forbes, you know, who endorsed my book, Exit Rich, Steve Forbes says 80% of businesses will never sell. 80%. That's a pretty startling statistic. And it really should be a wake-up call for most business owners because that means you have less than a 20% chance of success. Mm -hmm. And so I love helping business owners, you know, sell their legacy, sell their business, which is a retirement fund, and help them really afford the lifestyle they've always dreamed of. And um I also like helping business owners save their business because so many businesses are going out of business. Mm. So I've always been passionate about entrepreneurship and I love what I do. I can't see really doing anything else. Yeah. I can feel that passion for your entrepreneurship. <laughs> I can feel the desire and, and the sort of the will of what you do. And uh, I guess what was your, what was your first ever company yourself? What, what was that? Is it what you're doing now? Or is it something completely different? No, it's something completely different. You know, it's hard for me to remember <laughs> every business I had. Um, but one of the first businesses I had was a wedding publication. So it was a wedding publication that, um, it, you know, went out to all the brides and I owned that publication. I bought that publication and mm -hmm. I was very young at the time. Uh, so that was one of my first businesses. But I've owned so many different businesses and so many different verticals along the way. And I, I still continue to buy businesses, flip them, partner with business owners, you know, and, and um, take equity in the company. And, and because of that, I mean, I, you know, I typically, we don't just sell businesses. We really specialize in buying, selling, fixing, growing. So I'll partner with business owners, investing my capital, core competencies, resources, 
and have equity in our company. I buy businesses and flip them. I fix businesses. We have a road to sell program where we help businesses build that sustainable business that we can scale and then sell. Mm. And then we sell and we merge businesses. So it sounds a lot of um, success in your in your career as, as an entrepreneur. I've had success and I've had failures. You know, <laughs> I was, was going to say no. I was going to say I was going to ask, but the failure side, because obviously we don't always talk about failure, but actually I'm yeah. sure you've had a few, and I'm sure as we all learn from failures, as we should try to learn from failures, as a Francie as failure. Uh, what has been your I guess one failure that really has shaped you or changed you in how you go about business? Has it been anyone particular? Well, you know, I, I haven't really failed in any of my business endeavors, thank goodness. I have made a bad investment in a business. Um, and I did that with some other partners and we all lost money. And that, you know, I just, we should have just done more due diligence. Uh, the problem is, is the business was outside the United States. So we didn't really have any control. And um, it really ended up being kind of a Ponzi scheme. Um, but I kind of learned from that a lot. Um, and then I've made some poor investments with investing in marketing companies who always say, oh, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And I'm going to do this. And they end up doing nothing <laughs> but taking <laughs> your money. And so I would say, you know, just not doing enough due diligence. And I'm a due diligence queen, but not doing, I do due diligence for everybody else. I have to do more due diligence for my own stuff. <laughs> And how how do you see failure when you're talking to organizations or, or um, businesses who perhaps have had failed failure? How do you help them, I guess, go from that failure piece? Because it, it can be quite a tough call, isn't it, to go from being on the floor and getting back up again, isn't it? Well, it can be. But, you know, I, I, I view failure as just another step towards success. You know, you need to fail forward, not backwards. Yeah. And it's just another step towards success. Everybody fails. I mean, I don't think there's any business owners ever, some of the greatest, that haven't ha failed along the way. And mm. that's how we really learn is from our failures. But I think, you know, failure, look, if you don't fail, you're not trying. <laughs> and I no. think failure is just a step toward success. Yeah, I often talk to businesses about actually if you cultivate a, a safe environment to fail, you will create an environment of innovation because people, people are pushed the boundaries. As long as they feel safe to fail and it's okay to fail, right. obviously we don't go out to fail, clearly. Uh, but if you are pushing the boundaries of technology, innovation, creativity, there will be failure. And I guess my view on failure is literally it's just feedback. It's, I say, use it as a learning opportunity to, to yeah. move forward. So you do a lot about building businesses, you do a lot about scaling businesses and, and creating sort of sustainability in, in businesses. Um, I got a question really about scalability. Do you believe every business is uh, scalable? I, I think every business could be scalable. It depends upon the owner. I always say you'll never grow the business beyond what you can grow the owner. And a lot of owners don't have the mindset to be to be able to scale. Right, that's interesting. So, how do you? I mean, do you, you must have worked with some owners who perhaps want to scale? They come to you and say, "Michelle, I really want to scale this business. I want to grow it, exit at some point." And you you, you come against that sort of mindset that's quite not there. Well, you what? know, the bottom line is if they listen. <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, like, again, I always say you can't grow the business beyond what you can grow the owner. I don't know if you've ever watched a show called The Profit with Marcus Limonis on CNBC. I, I don't know if you've ever seen that show in the UK. No. Um, but Marcus Limonis goes in and fixes businesses. It's on TV. And he tells them everything to do. <laughs> Um, is this, is this like Eric, Eric somebody, the moneymaker? Is it similar to that one? Is it? I have no idea. I don't know what the moneymaker is. I just know the profit. Okay. But anyway, he, he'll go in and he'll sometimes change the company name, change the logo, you know, give the business a facelift. And he, he'll go off to the next venture, come back two or three weeks later, and old sign is up. <laughs> the old logo is up. The old paint <laughs> color is up. So you can never grow the business beyond what you can grow the owner. And I do work with business owners to help scale those businesses, to help, you know, make sure that they're sustainable. Um, but again, a lot of times we got to just get the owner out of the way. <laughs> 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 you know, and we got to have the right teams to work with. We need to get, have a good inter integrator. Yeah. We need to have a, a good integrator. And then we need to have good team leaders and good teams in place. And sometimes we just have to get the owner to step out of the way. Does that make sense? That makes sense. No. And so is that your strategy when you realize the owner's not got the mindsets or the capacity? Well, is my strategy is either that or walk away. <laughs> right. <laughs> because if they're not going to listen and, you know, take advice, then if they won't let their teams take over, and let an integrator and their teams take over, then there's really no other thing to do yeah. but walk away. I'm not going to keep feeding my head up against a wall. <laughs> no, and it's it's difficult one, isn't it? To well, it is. You, so it, many, so many owners want to do things differently, but then they're stuck in their habits, and you know they keep saying they want to change, but they they're comfortable in the way that they've been doing business all these years. Hmm. that they don't want to change because it's uncomfortable for them, which is why I always tell business owners, you got to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Hmm. You know, you, if you want different results, you got to do things differently. You know, if you want the same, keep doing what you've always done. Yeah. Cause it, it's often the case is almost having that conversation with the owner first, isn't it? Almost what, what's going to happen as opposed to them sort of being party of it all actually in terms of the, the mindset, the understanding, the cap capabilities or capacities right um so if we take a business and we we think we believe it's scalable the owner's on board um or not and we've, we've they've pushed them aside slightly depending on the cut the situation uh, what would you we do buried them in the backyard is what we did <laughs> <laughs> what, what what do you do when you try and scale a business how do you go about that and obviously there's more to it probably you can explain i'm sure but what are the key sort of fundamentals of, of well, scaling a business well, the keys is the keys is what I call the infrastructure of the six P's that I talk about in my book, Exit Rich. And so I go through each one of these P's, regardless of the industry. It doesn't really matter. The P's, the the infrastructure is the same no matter what industry you're in. And that first P is people. So the first thing we want to do is really take inventory of their people, you know, and and start really evaluating and asking questions about, you know, how involved is the business owner in the business? Is Does the business run dependent upon that owner? So many businesses are a thousand percent dependent upon that owner. You take the owner out, there is no business. A lot of entrepreneurs have 
created a glorified job in which they go to work at every day versus a business yeah. that actually works for them. So the first thing we have to do is look at how dependent is this business on this owner? That's number one. What task is this owner doing? What's their core competencies? Hmm. And what should they stay away from? <laughs> what should they focus on? What should they stay away from? Then we want to take inventory of their team. You know, do they have a management team in place? Do they have the right people in the right seats? A lot of business owners have the right people, but they don't necessarily have them in the right seat. Mm. You know, a lot of times we're trying to fit a square peg into a round hole. I've been guilty of that myself where I'm like, what do you mean you don't want to do this and this and this? You're perfect for this. And they just push back, push back because they're not perfect for that. You know yeah. what I mean? That's, yeah. that's, that's, I'm just trying to fit them into a position that they're not really cut out to be in. So you got to, you got to really take stock and, and, and make sure you have the right people in the right seat and you're not trying to fit that square peg into a round hole. And I always and say, is, it, is this, sorry, is this based on a premise of where the business is going to go in terms of the vision over the next three, five years? Is that, is that sort of based on? I think on it needs that? to be a combination of where the business is now. Because a lot of times, even where the business is currently, they have the wrong people in the wrong seat. Yeah. But it also has to, you also have to take into consideration where you want the business to be in the next, you know, three to five years. So you have to look at both. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then we want to ask the who question, you know, who answers the phones, who opens the doors, who answers customer service, marketing, legal, accounting, manufacturing, logistics, quality control, environmental, the list goes on and on. We want to make sure that we have the right who next to each one of those tasks, and it should never be the owner's name. Mm -hmm. And I can promise you, <laughs> most businesses don't have the right people in the right seats, and they don't have the right people next to the who. They don't have the right who's next to the task. Does that make sense? I mean, absolutely, yeah. So, and then we want to look at management. Who is their management team? Are they qualified to be man managers? Are they good leaders? Are they good team leaders? Who, where, where's the connection between the entrepreneur and the teams? Is there an integrator? Uh, I don't know if you've ever re read the book Traction, but it's based upon the EOS system. And then you want to know, you know, is there an integrator or a liaison or someone that is inside visionary's head? <laughs> Because mm. most entrepreneurs are great visionaries, but they're not good implementers. No. So we want that implementer, that integrator, whatever you want to call it, that is really the liaison between a visionary and the team leaders. Mm. And I guess you, you, in this place, when you, you start assessing the people and evaluating them in terms of fit for purpose for now and for the future, you're bringing the owner in this context of, as in where their role plays, I guess, isn't it? Whether they are more the, still the visionary side of things or what core competencies they add value to. Uh, yeah. And they start to assign that sort of their role changes, I guess, as in this, in this state. Yeah. And then their role changes. Absolutely. So, you know, the owner has to be part of the process because a lot of times, you know, I always say fish stinks from the head <laughs> and the owner, the owner could be, it's typically the bottleneck. Yeah. You know, and you made a, a statement earlier that you said, you know, as long as you make it okay for people to fail, then they'll try more, right? They'll take risks yeah. within an organization. But if they're constantly getting beat up every time they try something and it does fail, then they're going to stop trying because they're afraid. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> you know? And so you really have to create, you know, it's all about culture and you really have to create 
an environment where you empower your people to make the right decisions, to, to take some risk. Um, and I always say that, that you trust, but you always verify. You know, one of the biggest mistakes that business owners make is they trust, but then they never verify. Mm -hmm. And they never inspect what they expect. That's why I think it's like one out of every seven companies are embezzled because the owner completely takes their eyes off the business. <laughs> their eyes are in it too much or not in yeah. it at all. So you're also always going to have those checks and balances. But Absolutely. everything starts with people. You know, I always say that you don't build a business, you build people and people build the business. Yeah, I really like that approach because I think often people get caught up in in sales, in profits, in in sort of how, how we do things better and what what new things yeah. we do, marketing. But actually, the people is the place to start, isn't it? Well, people is huge and so is processes. But here's the deal. You can focus on sales and, and profits, and that's great. But sales comes in, right? Are you going to make money? Yes. But if the owner's doing everything and the owner doesn't have time to invoice, <laughs> or the, and I and I had a company like that that didn't have any time to do the invoicing. So they were sitting on a, a mountain full of cash because they could never send out invoices because they were doing everything. Right. You know? So you might you might have some profit, but you're never going to be fully profitable unless you get all of these five P's in place. Perfect. So after we got the people in place, what what do we move on to then? Well, you know, next I have product, and some might argue and say, "Well, processes should be next." But the reason I have product next is because you can be in a thriving industry or a dying industry. When I wrote my very first book, "Sell Your Business for More Than It's Worth," in 2013. I did the research in America and learned that 90% of all startups would fail within that first one to five years are at the greatest risk, right? We all know that. However, when I wrote this book, Exit Rich, my latest book, I did the exact same research and was flabbergasted to learn that the business landscape has flip-flopped. It's not startups at great risk anymore. It's existing businesses that are at great risk. Startups, only 30% of startups are going out of business. But in the United States, out of 27.6 million companies, those businesses that have been in business 10 years or longer, 70% are going out of business. Seven zero. So you see how it's flip-flopped. Now it's what, what's causing that, what's causing that flipping then? Well, let me let me just give you a little bit of history. You you watch the media, even in the UK, you've probably heard stories like Toys R Us. Yeah. And business yeah. 75 years goes out of business. Kmart, Steinmark, Pier One. Because I have a chocolate closing down 1,500 locations. Disney stores closing down their locations. Um, GNC is closing down 900 locations. So the number one reason that is, is because of lack of AIM, A-I-M. I always say you need to always innovate and market, innovate and market. Business owners stop innovating. Toys R Us did nothing new in 75 years. Blockbuster had the opportunity to buy Netflix twice, sat back, did nothing, Went out of business. But if you look at Pier 1, if you look at Kmart, if you look at all of these locations, they're not innovating. And business owners have been in business over 10 years. They become complacent. It goes back yeah. to, I'm comfortable doing it this way. I don't want to get uncomfortable with something new. So if you stop innovating, you're going to die. You're either growing or dying. There's no in between. The reason startups are so successful right now is because it used to be that when someone would start up a business, they're not really entrepreneurs. They would leave corporate America and they would say, Oh my gosh, I've always dreamed of a coffee shop. 
But guess what? They don't do their due diligence to learn that there's 20 other coffee shops in a mile radius, <laughs> you know, and they have that build it and they will come mentality like the movie Field of Dreams. Mm. And that's not the case. But now you got more millennials and Gen Z starting businesses than ever before. And they're looking at the problems. What are the problems? Here's a solution. So they're starting businesses with innovation in mind, focused mm. on solutions. So that's the big reason. Wow. So and also, also, I guess the complacency that almost comes arrogance as well. When you've been in business for 10 mm. plus years, been successful, and obviously Toys R Us, 75 years, massive amount of arrogancy and blockbuster as well. Probably They probably didn't think the whole streaming would ever, ever take off. Um, and now we are here today. So how do we how do we ensure that we don't step into that place of um, complacency, arrogance, whatever you want to call it, and keep businesses in that innovation sort of mindset, I guess? Because it is a mindset, isn't it? It is a mindset. And that's why I said you'll never grow the business past what you can grow the owner. <laughs> and that's, <laughs> that's, and your, that's, that's your fundamental, isn't it? it really that's is. my fundamental. Plus, I mean, you see a lot of big corporations get rid of the CEO and bring in a new CEO so they have new blood, right? Yeah. So you see that happen uh, a lot of the times. But, you know, business owners, it's all a mindset, you know. And, and you're right. It is about arrogance. It is about ego. It's about being comfortable, you know, that, hey, I've started this. We've been successful for 20 years. You know, we're going to keep banging it out. We're going to still be successful. And they're not, you know. Mm. Um, plus they stop asking the consumer. They stop asking the clients, what do you need? What do you want? Mm. How do I make it easier for you to do business with us? Because buyers habits have changed. Consumers buying habits have changed dramatically, mm. you know, and whoever makes it easiest for the consumer to purchase products and services is the company that's winning. Yeah. Amazon is winning because they make it so easy. You can practically buy a horse on Amazon and have it delivered in two days. <laughs> And so, and then this pandemic has really changed the way that we buy products and services because mm -hmm. you don't even want to go to the grocery store anymore that you might get, you know, you might get COVID. <laughs> so a lot of, a lot of businesses are stepping up. Walmart has stepped up. Target has stepped up. Some local grocery store retail chains have stepped up, you know, wish to compete with Amazon and Whole Foods, mm -hmm. but the buying habits have changed. So if you don't change in which to make it easier for the consumers to purchase your products and services, then you're going to lose market share and you're just going to end up going out of business. Nothing stays the same. Everything has to evolve. It's all about innovation. And I guess this last year has been a, oh, 18 months or so now, has been a significant amount of change for everybody in every capacity. Um, what, what do you see, I was focusing more on the positives of what's happened in the last 18 months. What do you see that, the benefits that has come out of the pandemic and the opportunities, I guess, from a business owner. There's been a, a tremendous amount of benefits. I know some people don't want to hear me say that <laughs> because, you know, well, like, no, I, I, negative, I think but, it's important to recognize yeah. there's always, there's always, there's always a silver lining. In a, there's in always a, a silver lining. And there's so many great benefits that have come out of this. Um, number one, the ability to work from home, you know, pretty much anywhere, in the United States or even in the world these days, mm. you know, so many more people are working from home. So many more people are, are leaving, you know, like Los Angeles and San Francisco and leave is New York and leaving these big 
congested cities and moving to Montana, <laughs> you know, or Delaware or, or, you know, and they're moving somewhere where they can enjoy a better quality of life, not spend half their time in a car. And the business owners are, are liking it too. You know, it's, it's, it's a huge adjustment. You have to use technology more than you've ever used before, mm. but the business owners are adapting to it. Employees are adapting. And I think that's a huge benefit. Um, also employees are being able to have a better quality of life, spending more time with their family, mm. you know? So being in, instead of being in the car, you know, like I said, 15, 20, 30 hours a week, you can take that extra time and spend it with your family. So many families have been able to homeschool and work from home, which they find it's much better. It's much, like I said, much better quality of life for them. Mm -hmm. So that's a benefit. Plus, there's so many industries um, that have really skyrocketed. I mean, look at Zoom. <laughs> yeah. Zoom didn't hardly, you know, I was using Zoom way before this pandemic, but they just blew up. And they're a multi, multi-billion dollar company now. So, so many industries, even uh, I'll name some different industries, manufacturing is back. Manufacturing was dying. Manufacturing is huge right now. Distribution, anything healthcare related is huge. Yeah. We're looking at a, a healthcare company that we're looking at selling for about $250 million. Um, anything healthcare related is huge. Anything home related is, is big. Mm. Um, renovations, home renovations, um, anything landscaping swimming pools, remodeling, you know, yeah. fitness at home, you know, because so many people are spending more money in their home than ever before because they stopped going out to eat. They stopped traveling. Yeah. Real estate is up. Real estate's been the highest it has been in decades, right? You can't, I mean, the inventory is so low and there's so many buyers for real estate. So there's just a lot of industries that have really skyrocketed. Um, and then also so many new businesses started. I want to say something like, I don't know, over a million new businesses started last year. It's like right under a, a million. Wow. So you got so many new businesses have started. And again, this has all come out of people taking time out, isn't it? Of thinking, being either working from yeah. home, being furloughed, being made redundant, but also yeah. that time out where you've gone, actually, I don't want to be doing this and I want to start a business. I guess that's a lot of it's come out of that, hasn't it? Yeah. So a lot of it's, you know, hey, and a lot of it's like, oh my gosh, this is such a huge problem. And then they just come up with a solution. Mm -hmm. But, um, and then you've got people, you know, the, 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 what do they call those things? The home storage offices, like the little storage sheds that they've skyrocketed too, because everybody's putting a little storage shed in their backyard and that's their <laughs> office, <laughs> you know, um, online, any online education, e-commerce, SaaS mm -hmm. businesses have skyrocketed. So it's got a lot of silver linings, a lot of positive. I mean, obviously there's, there's negative with it as well, sure. but um, it's also changed the way that, that we do business and it's changed the way that we purchase things. Totally. And just, just before we finish, um, just if talking to a business owner now or a leader of an organization, what, what one thing they need to think about for the next sort of 12, 18 months in terms of, how they do business. What what do they sort of need? What, what, what would be your one sort one big advice, I guess? You know, it's it's probably the same advice I always give, whether it's 18 months or whether it's 10 years or 20 years, or you're just getting started entrepreneurship, is don't do it alone. Find yourself a really, really good mentor, an expert, mm. not just any mentor, make sure you do your due diligence, check out testimonials. 
but get yourself a really good mentor who's been who's been down the road you want to travel. Mm. Um, someone who's because what will happen is they'll shorten your learning curve dramatically. They'll shorten your path to success dramatically. And it's not what you what it's not what you know that gets you in trouble, it's what you don't know. So find an expert, find a mentor on mm. um, this traveled your road. I always say it's hard to read the label from the inside of the bottle. You need an outsider's perspective to read the warning signs and keep you out of the danger zone. So get a mentor. Brilliant. That's great advice. So, Michelle, how can people get in touch with you and how can people get hold of your, your book as well? Sure. So let me tell you a little bit about Exit Rich. Exit Rich was endorsed by Steve Forbes. It says it's a goldmine for entrepreneurs as they leave way too much money on the table when they sell their business. Um, also, Sharon Lecter. Have you heard of Sharon Lecter? No, I haven't. No. She is my co-author. Oh. She, she was also a co-author. Did you ever hear of a book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was a co-author with Robert Kiyosaki on Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Brilliant. And she is um, a CPA, financial literacy expert, and advisor to many different presidents. She writes a mentor's corner after each one of my chapters. Plus, Kevin Harrington, the original Shark on Shark Tank, writes the foreword. So you can get Exit Rich. Um, if you're outside the United States, I encourage you to go to Amazon because of the very expensive shipping cost. <laughs> so go to Amazon in your area. Inside the United States, I encourage you to go to exitrichbook.com. There's where we have all the bonuses. Mm -hmm. So exitrichbook.com, $24.79 plus shipping. We will ship the hardcover to your doorstep, email, the email you the digital download. We will also give you a lifetime membership into the Exit Rich Book Club where there's video content of me doing training and doing really deep dives in these different um, strategies and techniques I've been training, teaching on for the last 20 years, plus documents, documents mm -hmm. to operate your business and documents to sell your business. So we have sample policy and procedure manuals, org charts. We have sample 11 tents, purchase agreements, due diligence checklists, closing docs. Everything you need to operate and sell your business is there for review and download. And these documents will cost you over $50,000 if you tried to recreate. I know because I spent the money. <laughs> Plus, we'll give you a 30-day free membership into Club CEOs, which is an entrepreneurship mastermind where we do hot seats, Q&As, and really help business owners pivot so they can build that sustainable, scalable, and sellable business. All at ExitRichBook.com. Now, if you're international and you go to Amazon, that's okay. Email us, marketing at SilarTucker.com, and we will still make sure that you get the bonuses. And our main website is SilarTucker.com. Plus, you can connect with me on social media at Michelle Siler Tucker. Well, it sounds more than just a book there, uh, Michelle. It's a lot more than just a book. <laughs> <laughs> I, wasn't, I wasn't expecting that. There's a book, Mastermind, and a whole load of videos and help and support and whatever, $50,000 worth of, of documents available. Um, as always, you, you've provided so much value and uh, appreciate your time here today. Uh, so, yeah, thank you for coming on, Michelle. Thank you so much for having me. It was my pleasure. If you like this episode, then please do subscribe, do share with your friends, and do check out other episodes in the series. If you're looking for support and help in your organization to create a resilient culture, then please do get in contact with me on julianrobertsconsulting.com. Thank you.